Well, this morning we are continuing our series, our series, excuse me, wow. Okay, we are continuing our series on cultivating courage. We are continuing our series on cultivating courage. We had an introductory sermon, and then uh, a couple of weeks ago, what did we talk about? How did we talk about cultivating courage? Cultivating courage by... Anybody? It was a couple weeks ago, so it's all right. I forgive you, but you should maybe watch it on YouTube. (laughs) By, By having a Sabbath way of life, by resting in God. Right. We 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 sort of reminded ourselves that it is hard to be courageous when you are really, really tired, when you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not going to be able to make the courageous choices. But then further, we talked about how Sabbath, a Sabbath way of life is not just um not just resting. It's not just having a nap. It is specifically resting in the Lord. It is resting in God. It is practicing the discipline of laying all of our worries and all of our concerns and all of our struggles and even our everyday moments before the Lord and trusting in Him. Now, cultivating courage is a good way for us to remember and to live into the amazing life that God has for us. Right, cadets? Yeah, yeah, good answer. That was nice. You weren't even paying attention and you got that one. I appreciate that. That was good. Okay, cadets, now I have a question for you because we're going to talk about cultivating courage again today. But first, I have to ask you a question. What do you think of when I say the word Ebenezer? Scrooge, yes. Candy? Why? Okay. McCurlicks, man, you got a weird kid. No, I'm joking. That's good. <laughs> you think of Christmas, okay? Ebenezer, you think of Scrooge or Christmas? Yes, yes. Mario? Wario and Mario. Why? Yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yes? No, good guess, though. The guess was uh, was Ebenezer, a guy who threw, uh, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. But no. Yeah, but good guess. Because they're sort of vaguely similar. Yeah. Red and because of Christmas? Yeah, gotcha. Okay. All right. We're moving beyond Christmas, gentlemen. We're moving beyond Christmas, everybody. We are going to look at uh, we are going to look at 1 Samuel 7 verse 12 to 13, and then we are going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. So we're doing in the in the reverse order there to your bulletin. 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 to 13, and now you will understand hopefully Uh, what an Ebenezer is, right? So, this... Yeah, excellent. Boys, come forward. Good, good. Excellent. Thank you for the reminder. I appreciate that. All right. Samuel first, right? Okay, good. Excellent. Stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. 
So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory throughout Samuel's lifetime. The hand of the Lord against the Philistines. Excellent. Good. Now we shall hear from we shall hear from Deuteronomy chapter four. Oh <laughs> Wow. I'm really on my ball game today. Alright. Good stuff. You ready? Awesome. But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Amen. Amen. Good. Thank you, gentlemen. The word of the Lord. Awesome. So we have a couple things that we need to remember here. Look first at Samuel there, Second Samuel. Samuel, of course, is a leader of the people. Uh, he has been a part of the nation of Israel as they have been uh, doing all kinds of battles against uh, the Philistines and so on. Um, and Samuel wants the people to remember stuff. Right. So we go to Samuel one Samuel. You want to put it on the screen there again. One Samuel chapter seven, verse 12 to 13. And Samuel says a curious thing. Right. Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem. He named it Ebenezer, saying thus far, the Lord has helped us. Now, uh, what do you think? Based on that, what do you think Ebenezer might mean? The Lord has helped us. Good. Good guess. Excellent. Good. Any other guesses? Reminder. Yeah. Yeah. It's reminder, right? It's a reminder of what God has done. And see, because... You know, the reason that Samuel takes a stone and puts it up, and, and it's probably not like just like a little rock, right? No, we're talking like a standing stone kind of something. Something that's going to be there for not just, you know, a year, not just two years, not just 10 years, not just 50 or 100 years. Something that is going to be there for generations and generations, right? Samuel wants the people to remember. Why? Why does it matter? It matters because remembering what God has done can help us to have the courage to live in the way that God calls us to. Right? Remembering what God has done can help us to live with the courage we need to live the way God calls us to now. Right? Think about it, right? You, you remember, if you, if you remember, if you think carefully, you remember what God has done in the past, then that can help you feel good about whatever may come. Uh, right? So, one of the things that, that helps us, and I know I've told this story before, I... I'm not going to apologize for telling it again because it's just so good, right? Gwyneth's family, they grew up, um, or Gwyneth grew up in that family, um, and Gwyneth's father felt called after he became a Christ follower, he felt called to set up Christian schools. 
He would go to places and he would establish Christian schools. Now, he had a couple things against him. First of all, he wasn't Dutch, which is, there's nothing wrong with not being Dutch. At the time, if Christian schools were going to be established, they were going to be established usually by Dutch Christian Reformed folk at the time in Ontario. Right? That's the way it was. So, uh, and then the second thing he had going against him at the time was that he was Baptist. He's still Baptist. Um, but again, there's nothing wrong with being Baptist. But at the time, these Dutch Christian Reformed folks were not necessarily all that comfortable with Baptists. Uh, we sort of thought we had it right in terms of theology, and uh, they had it wrong. So, problems. So, regardless, Dad would go to a place like Cornwall or Coburg or whatever, right? And he would start talking often with the Christian Reformed folks, and he would work towards setting up a Christian school. And they would get it going. And he would be paying full tuition because he believed that that was important to do. And he would be making less money than the government's low-income cutoff, right? So he was living below the poverty line. And yet he would also continue to give a full tithe of his gross income, right? Gross is before taxes, right? Gross income to the church. Um, and, and, and he would do this and they would still be driving around in a Volvo, which, which was old. It was a, you know, it was an old Volvo, right? But nonetheless, it was okay. And they had a house that they lived in and even had a sauna in it, a sauna in it, right? Um, and, and, and Gwyneth remembers being with her mom in the car and her mom laughing, right? Because she heard on the radio that the, the poverty line number had come out and that they're living below that. She was laughing, right? She remembers a time when an accountant from their church came to visit them and, and, and said, hey, you know, Trev and Sharon, I'll, I'll, let, me just, let me just see what I can look at for your finances. Maybe I can help you uh, get a little more blood from a stone, as it were, and, and stuff like this. And, and, you know, a couple hours later or whatever, this accountant is sitting at their kitchen table weeping. And he says, the, the money that comes in does not equal the money that goes out. How is this possible? And Gwyneth's mom laughs and said, oh, is it supposed to be equal? <laughs> right? People would pull up. The butcher would pull up with a, with a half a cow to stick in their freezer. Right? People would, would contribute. People would help out. Mechanics would do the work on their vehicle and stuff like this. And, and that's not how everybody's called to live all the time or anything like that. But I'll tell you, that story gives us courage to do things that perhaps the world might consider to be stupid in terms of financial commitments and mission. Right? Like, who really cares whether we're making a good amount of money or not? Incidentally, the church takes care of me very well. You don't need to worry about that, right? I have no, we have no complaints in that regard. We are very grateful. But what we earn is kind of beside the point. It doesn't matter. What matters is what God has called you to do. And that's true. I have the courage. We have the courage to do that, not because we're so great, but because we have heard the story of how God provided 
for Gwyneth's parents. And so the story of what God has done in the past, your Ebenezer's are important for you to have the courage to live today. Now, cadets, I have something here. I'm not giving it to you, but I have something here. Huh? Yeah. Familiar with this? Yeah. How many of you have one of these? Yeah. No. What did you do? No, never mind. Yeah, sure, whatever. Tony, you might have a repair job ahead of you. I don't know. Anyways, right? So this is this is our faith journey box. This is this is kind of like a container for all our Ebenezers, right? And, and you don't have to have one that's as fancy as this, although you can if you want to, but you don't have to, right? Um, so I have here, let me show you some of the stuff that's in here. This is a certificate from the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto, which certifies that Daniel Zilstra has successfully completed the correspondence course in Christian schooling. Yeah, thanks, right? That was, that was when I was, uh, I was becoming a teacher, a high school teacher, and I needed to learn a little bit about the philosophy, theology, uh, and practice pedagogy of being a Christian school teacher. And that's part of the faith journey I've been on. And uh, here is ooh, here's my memento of baptism. This is when I was baptized. And into the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit... I don't know, they must have bought these in the 1950s because those look very 50-ish, but it's very cool, right? Uh, it talks about how God is establishing his covenant and it says, it says exactly the date on which I was baptized. I was baptized on June the 9th, 1974. Yeah, it was a lo- last century, right? Yeah, yeah so old, <laughs> right? But, yeah, thanks. <laughs> right? This is another Ebenezer for me, right? Um, here is, oh, neat. So a lot of you know that I was a theater major in university. This is, this is the, uh, the bulletin, the, the playbill, the program, there we go, program, of the play that Gwyneth and I were in when we were in high school. We were in it together as husband and wife. It was, yeah, right? Yeah, so sweet, right? And, and that's when we started dating, too, through that, right? So uh, this is a play called Quiet in the Land by Anne Chislett, a fantastic play, by the way, by a Canadian author. Uh, absolutely wonderful. It's about Mennonites struggling with, um, with uh, the, the draft and with conscientious objection uh, during World War One, right? So... This is a huge memento, a huge Ebenezer for my path, my faith journey, because that's when God gave me Gwyneth. And that's, that's awesome, right? You have no idea. So good, right? Oh, here's my graduation from Lampton Christian High School. When I graduated from the school that no longer exists, right? Uh, you know, wonderful, right? Um, this is, oh, here's one. This one's a good one. I didn't know I still had this one. I'm glad. This is my certificate of ordination. This is when the church officially declared me to be a pastor, right? October the 8th, the 5th, 2008. You guys missed my anniversary by a few months. No, it's good, right? Uh, oh, here's one more. I'll show you this last one. This is from my profession of faith. 
when I, I, I decided that, you know what? I believed all the promises that God had given to me through my baptism, that my parents had taught me about, that my church taught me about. And I said, you know what? I want to live as a follower of Jesus. I want to be, I want to be a Christian. And so I stood up in front of our church and I said, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And my church said, hooray, and gave me a certificate. <laughs> and then also, you know, welcomed me uh, even more as a part of the family of God in the church. And so on and so forth. I have all kinds of stuff in here. But remembering these things, remembering what God has done, helps me to have the courage to do what I believe is calling God is calling me to do now. Does that make sense? See, this is why this is why in Deuteronomy Moses says what he says to the people of Israel. What does he say to the people of Israel? Joshua? I mean Jonathan? Thinking biblical characters here. <laughs> You're as bad as the cadets. Uh, no, joking. Uh, Deuteronomy, please. Right? That passage in Deuteronomy, Moses is writing this and saying this to the people of Israel. Because remember, God had done absolutely incredible things for the people of Israel during their time leaving Egypt and coming eventually to the promised land. And so Moses says to them only, be careful... And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Because they did that. It was so easy, right? They, they would come, they come out of the desert or out of, out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and they start moaning and complaining and, and worrying about how the Egyptian army is right behind them on their trail to try and kill them. But they forgot all the miraculous things that God already did for them in Egypt to get them out. And, and then they get through the Red Sea and God conquers the, the armies of Egypt and the Pharaoh. And, and they get to the other side and they start complaining about how they don't have enough food and they don't have enough water. And oh, it was so much better in Egypt when it really wasn't because they were enslaved in Egypt. They forgot what God had done. And, and you could you could look down on them, except we do the same things. If we don't remember what God has done, if we forget, then we start doing not what God calls us to. We start doing the fearful thing. What about my security? What about my, my money? What about, what about my future? What about, you know, my belly today? What about... I'm so worried. I'm so scared. So, this is what an Ebenezer is. And that is why it is important for us to have our Ebenezer's. To remind us so that we can have courage.
Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much for the courage that you have given us. The courage that we did not earn or anything, but courage that is that is cultivated through rest in you and through remembering <coughs> all that you have done. Excuse me. Father, please, please guide us. Help us to remember what you have done. Help us to write it down. Help us to pass it on generation after generation. Help us to know always. Have it in front of us all the time. Who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I forgot almost. I have a, I have a couple pieces of homework for you cadets. Mm-hmm. Oh, young man. Oh, my boy. Church is where you learn, hopefully, most of all. (laughs) Yeah, you do now. Okay. uh, All right. Don't worry. Your homework's not too hard. Okay. Your homework is to go to your parents or somebody you know who, who loves Jesus and who is trying to follow Jesus. Just go to them and say... So what has God done for you in the past? Help me to know what God has done for you. Right? Because this is part of our job, congregation, is to just as Moses says, to pass on the knowledge from generation to generation. And look, here's homework for all of you, too. At least today, at least today, if not every day from now on, Talk to each other and ask each other about what God has done for you. What did God do for you today? What has God done for you in the past? Ask your parents if they're still alive. Ask your grandparents. Because I got to tell you, in in our tradition, sometimes, sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to talk about faith things. Right? Like it's a little bit personal or, or, or maybe it touches too close to our feelings or something. But these stories of what God did for my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents, they're important. I mean, I goof around with genealogy and I know that 500 years ago, my great-great-great-great-whatevers were learning from Jean Calvin the tenets of the Reformation, and were, were trying to hold on to their faith in the face of Catholic persecution in Normandy with the Huguenots. I didn't do that, but they did. And God did things through them. And that's crazy amazing. Find out the stories of your parents and your parents' parents, and so on down the line. Find out who faithful mentors, how they have been, you know, moved by what God has done. Tell the stories. So that whether we're going in or coming out, we know what God has done. Praise team, why don't you come on forward and we will sing as our song of response the goodness of God. Let it be a reminder not only that God is good in some abstract 
theologically whatevery sort of way, but remember that God is concretely good to you and to me and to generations of us before, all the way back to the dawn of time. Let us stand together and sing about the goodness of God.